welcome, folks, to another edition of LEA Podcast. On our third rendition here this coming up. Uh, season three. Season three, since we just started back up, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Yes. Released a couple of episodes since, right, Jaybird? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we got a special guest with us. Maybe become a permanent host if we can get his ass off of schedule. It's really hard, though, because he's got way too many irons in the fire. He is our uh, elite regional rep from Elite and uh, Archery and the, the Outdoor Group. He's also a CrossFitness wannabe. <laughs> Actually, I got to say, he's pretty badass. Um, what else does he do? Oh, track star coach now. Coaches his daughter, who's an absolute beast on the track. And um, he's a, you compete in the gridiron? Uh, the Florida Grid League. <clears throat> Florida Grid League. Yep. He's, he's okay looking. Got a much hotter wife, and we haven't figured out how that happened. He's the Hill Country John Mayer. He is the Hill Country John Mayer <laughs> all day. None other than Mr. Blake Kidder. Welcome, Welcome back, man. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be back, guys. So, and it's, what's cool here is I think Blake's going to be a good job. He's a, He also worked at a shop for many, many years when I met Blake. God, probably 16, 15, 13, 15 years ago. It's been a long time, Dude, bro. This is when you first moved from Ohio. Yeah, when I first moved down. One of my closest friends here now in Texas. And he's, uh, so he knows a lot about this industry, um, both the front and the back side, which is awesome. And, uh, um, we've asked him to sometimes just take off his TOG hat every once in a while so we can talk trash and talk crap about everybody else. Nah, it's no problem there, man. <laughs> Archery's still archery. That's right. So anyways, um, had a lot of cool things going on. We just got back from Vegas, the Vegas shoot. And um, also, Blake, I know you were there working the uh, NABA show and as well as the Mountain Western Mountain Expo. Yeah, Western Home so, Expo out in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear about that because I heard that is an absolutely incredible show. Um, Lots of big ballers out there. Yeah, dude. Good God. Did you hear how much that mule deer tag went for? Yeah, 800. S- that's 750. Yeah. Did you guys hear that? 750000 $750, for mule deer hunt. Yeah. I don't get that. I'll pay my 400 and go to Colorado. I, I, I still, yeah, I don't get that. $400. It's tax write off for those guys. Right? So you think it's what it is, seriously? Uh, yeah, <clears> some <throat> of those guys that were bidding on those tags, uh, a couple guys had tables and they were. They literally said it was just going to be a tax write-off. So I heard that between five animals, I had I heard almost four and a half million dollars spent on four and four to five animals. Yeah, you had that governor, uh, the governor tag. One of the other tags the night before went for a half a million, and the guy yeah. outbilled it, bid it by two hundred fifty k the next day just to set a record. It's crazy. <laughs> and they say the economy's not doing well. No, first world problems. Yeah, and then we had over forty one hundred, I think, archers at Vegas yep. set a record. Mm-hmm. Um, the vendor booths were absolutely insane. There was yeah. product being peddled there I've, like I've never seen before. It's like a mini ATA, man. Yeah, bro. It was crazy, 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 crazy. So, I mean, I went in there, and I, Blake can attest to this. I've been bitching and complaining all year. Oh, God, it's going to be a horrible year. It's down economy, and he's been on my ass constantly about it. Um, constantly on your ass that it was going to be the opposite. Yeah, I know. Shut up. Uh-huh. And I tell you, right now, I can't argue with the guy. You like, can't keep a bow on your wall. And honestly, the last two or three days have been pretty amazing. By yep. the way, we have no homies, by the way, dude. I, ha- I had two of them, two customers come in and wanted them. I'm like, I'm not saving one demo. Like, oh, I, I oh, saw. You did not. Uh, bro, I'm not walking away from that. Sorry. That's a good problem to have. So now he's got to have to find me another bow. Anyhow. Good gosh. First world problems from our elite. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, you and every other dealer across the country. The arrows are off your wall, too, already. Era is the, I don't care what anybody says, and I'll say it. I'm not doing it because Blake's sitting here and he's my friend and everything. It is the best bow in the market, period, right now. 
you know, it's kind of cool because, and I want to toot my own horn, but you know, we got a chance to take these guys hunting, elk hunting to a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and talking about what my vision was for the perfect elk bow. And I'll say it and I've said it for the last literally what seven years, you know, been in this pretty hardcore and it's uh you know, 31 to 33 inch axle to axle and seven inch brace height and somehow keep it at 335 feet per second. And homeboys did it. Mm-hmm. And then they actually blew our mind by doing carbon. Did not expect that. That was a surprise. Cherry on top. Nobody expected it. <laughs> no, man. bro. Nobody expected it. Best bow in the market. Period. I forget who it was. I was I was at a tournament. They're like, why don't you try that um that new carbon bow that Elite's coming out with? I was like, what? <laughs> you don't even shoot an Elite, and how do yeah. you know about this? Exactly. Yeah, it got it got leaked early on, but I mean, wasn't well, a bad thing. Bottom line: no. if you're a Western Mountain hunter, it's just the bow of choice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to qualify that. You know, I, is it the best bow in the market? I don't know. Personal for, preference, in my opinion. Right. But if you are going to design and build one to hunt out west and go hike that 8 to 16 miles a day, mm-hmm. day in and day out for um, two weeks or a month, yeah. it's the bow. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely Period. the lightest carbon bow out there. Without no, that, that, not, not quite lightest. Not. PS, well, PSE is PSE the lightest. I, yeah. I was going to say it's the lightest carbon bow out there that outperforms the other ones. Without a doubt. It actually sits right in the middle of the PSE and the Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. You guys did a really good job of hitting that that under four pounds, but over three, mm-hmm. and and that I think was a magic sauce because you got the PSE I think coming around at two seven two nine. No, PSE is what three <clears throat> three 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 six, depending on if it's yeah. Well, then it went up because the Mach one originally was a through yeah, two nine. Yeah, it was too light. I want to say there's three six with that levitate, yeah. and then the Mach four, and then you got um, Hoyt. Depending mm-hmm. on, I mean, some of my dealers out west are are very accurate in their weights um, yeah in their weights and they'll tell you that hey you know the hoyt rx7 it, it says it's three nine but with no. all the, with all the product on it and the dampeners the mm-hmm. stabilizers and stuff it's closer to four three four four I was gonna say, yeah. it's pushing four and a half and then you got to go between the ultra the ultra is even heavier yeah now with you strip all the all the dampening stuff off then mm-hmm. yes they're closer to actual weight yeah and that was i think one of the, the cool features of the elite like it's 3.95 yeah. period in yeah. the story because we, you know, we, we, we built it and put it on paper based off the way it was going to be received in the box. And so with the dampeners and the way it is, it's 3.95 and well, it gets the job done. And the, the thing is it's got the same cam that the target bows are running. Just on a larger platform. Exactly. So yeah. you've got that target stability in a, in a really light hunting bow. So you don't have to go and overload it with weight on the bars which would defeat the purpose of the light bow so no it's amazing that's telling you. yeah I, I called it when i for you know i'm not going to knock what the other manufacturers put out but if no look- because i'm and once again this is is why i'm lucky to be here on this uh yes i am your elite rep here in texas but at the end of the day i'm still an archer and that's what i'm here to do is talk about archery mm-hmm. i was a big fan of the rx7 yep period in a story Great, like bro. when i'm sitting there and i'm talking to the engineers and you know we're talking amongst um our peers and our leadership it was you know you're crazy not to say hey we need to build something that can perform and compete with the rx7 because that's what we're going to be compared to exactly and so i got really familiar with that rx7 mm-hmm. i mean they have a very similar camish cam compared to us yeah um, i'm not going to say they, they took that from us but we had the tri track cam first mm-hmm. um and they implemented it on their platform and that rx7 and the rx7 ultra last year felt phenomenal so i knew when we were in those designing stages um and on the drawing board looking at that platform in comparison i knew we had something and i knew it was going to be very close now i'm my biggest critic 
Like I am very, very hard on my own product. Probably, actually, I know I'm harder than even some of my dealers are. You mean I, this on like how tough they are? I mean, no, I, not only how tough I am <clears throat> on the product itself as a user, but if I'm sitting here and saying, okay. Oh, criticizing. You pick, criticizing yeah, you pick it apart. Oh, I pick it apart yeah. more so than I probably should. But if if I can, if I'm happy with it, then I truly feel that, that dealers, 99% of them are going to be happy with it. Yeah. Well, so. honestly, and I think the only thing that I've heard about it negative is, and, and this comes out every freaking year, you know, don't go to 32 inches. You know, these guys that are 6'6", six, six and these giants who claim that they can't. And But I will tell you, the bow's running a half inch long, that's my opinion. Well, that's we've said that for years. <clears throat> I've told dealers that for years because it's based, the industry's, it, it's so, it's so confusing because, honestly, they, they say, oh, AMO standard is measured at 80% let off. Well, you know, for the longest time, the only state that had that in play as a law was Colorado. So you'd measure your draw lengths based off of the bow set at 80% let off. So Mm -hmm. yeah, at 80% let off, that bow technically goes to 31 inches. And on the uh, Omnia, it goes to 30. But in reality, when you go to 90% let off, that Omnia hits almost 31. Yeah. And the era is pushing 31 and three quarters. So for all the long draw guys out there, (laughs) if you're not someone who has to have higher drawing weight, Go get in that era. Dude, and, 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 and in all honesty, I, I will say this. There's a lot of guys that say they're 32 inches. Huge. But I haven't met very many. There's very few. Days. Very yeah. few. So well, I feel like that era kind of hits. Yeah, um, hits just about everybody. Just about everybody. Well, they're only, and they're only looking at the spec sheet. You know? yeah. And that's the other thing. If you're, and I'm not knocking anybody out there, but if you're a bow tuner worth your weight in salt, you know, you are putting five to six twists in that command cable, maybe running a little bit about a quarter inch longer loop. And you're approaching. You're going to get it. You're getting 32. Dude, period. if I was a Western shop, hands down, I mean, the bow doesn't come in 75 pounds. Uh, they do come in a little hot. Um, I would say majority of our bows this every year. Every one of them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming in hot. Uh, but that's, in my opinion, a positive more than it is a negative. Yeah. Most archers are very happy with that. But I, I would be putting four, four twists in a cable and yep. get an extra, you know, eight to quarter inch of draw length and, Plus, and run it. I mean, and I don't know about that cam. I haven't played around with it enough, but <clears throat> most of the cams and binary systems I've ever worked with, they love to be over-rotated. They, they want to be. That's where they want to live. You know, I, I can't say that so much about Arbos. Um, I think you can do a lot with this cam. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nathan Brooks has made that very clear. And that's someone we got, definitely got to get on the podcast. But uh, he's made it very clear with me in that cam that, you know, you can under-rotate, over-rotate it just as and long just, as your And no stops, performance issues. No performance issues. As long as your stops are hitting the same time and leaving the same time. Doesn't matter. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. You can get that bow to tune every which way. Almost <clears> to the point for someone who's a tinkerer like me, yeah. it's annoying because you'll go, you know, well, let me shoot it this way a little while. How does it hold? How does it shoot? How does it perform? Well, okay, that's running the cams equal. Well, let me advance the top cam a sixteenth of an inch. How does it shoot? How does it hold? How does it group? Mm. What if I go the other way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I like to do that. It just helps me identify, you know, what the bow is fully capable of doing. Um, it also helps me troubleshoot when guys are running into certain problems. Um, but yeah, dude, the the elite platform is so versatile from quarter inch draw length adjustments to, you know, down to you know percentage let off adjustments, Bottom cable line, stops, limb stops. I, I, I'll say so this much. all the time. If you're a brand new shop owner and you get an elite, and I'll throw Bowtech in there too. You get a leader Bowtech mm-hmm. and you can't tune them, you really need to go find another way to make money. 
Yeah, and it's it's it's. it's, it's <clears throat> I like I like that you touched on that point on over rotating under rotating because I j- actually just had a question asked the other day. One of my one of my friends that shoots on the para team, he's looking to get into a verdict, but he's having some shoulder issues and he's trying to figure out how to make that draw cycle a little bit smoother. Smooth uh, mods, correct. Even with smooth mods, he was having issues, and he was asking if he can under rotate it, over rotate it, and would it affect performance or throw it out of whack? So what would you what would you say? <laughs> You know, I mean, I think what he's feeling uh, is coming from that draw force curve. Yep. Uh, poundage would probably be his best friend. Best friend. Yeah, maybe go down a few pounds because that, I've noticed a big difference going for someone who had, you know, hey, I feel like the draw cycle is a little rough through this yeah. portion of the draw cycle. Well, generally, nine out of ten times, you put a smooth mod on there, you're only going to lose about two, maybe three feet per second, yep. and it goes away. But if someone's still feeling that, just go down in poundage go down to the lower limb. I mean, three to five pounds and it completely goes away yeah at the same time i also take into consideration his draw length because if he's he's a big dude if he's overdrawing, you know yeah he's a big dude but if you just see structurally like you know in a seated position my draw length is actually shorter mm-hmm. than a standing position and yeah. i was actually telling one of my buddies who i just got into archery his name is john uh, we were dialing in his draw length, and I said, okay, everything feels good. Yes. Feel good standing. Yes. He looks good standing. I said, okay, now sit down. Mm. I was like, what? It changes. And he said, and you know this, Jason. Yeah. Uh, sitting down, uh, it changes a lot. Oh, God, Where yeah. Where you anchor, how you hold. And so even <clears throat> for myself, uh, I fine-tune my hunting bow for my draw lengths. Sitting um, down. Sitting down. And if it's my Western setup, I'm definitely going to check it sitting, kneeling, and shooting uphill. So, you know, for that guy, I'd be like, hey, cha- see how your draw length feels. Maybe mm-hmm. shorten that draw length a quarter inch. It's just going to change when he's feeling the peak of that draw force curve, and all of a sudden that bow becomes significantly smoother for him or easier to draw. Sweet. Yeah, no kidding. That's cool. So, Well, I'll tell you, they're crazy flexible because I may or may not have made one an 80-pounder last night. Which? Cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> I can tell you this. It which, was hammering. Omnia? Mm. Yeah, boy. Yeah, dude. I may not 31, 31 inch draw. We put that bad boy at 84 for you left. 84? It settled at 80. <clears throat> I may not confirm or deny that mine's setting at 79.5. <laughs> and it's it shooting 306 yeah, bro. feet per second. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's, dude, it's strokes. It's a hammer. It's strokes. It is, it's it's kind of, <clears throat> it almost is a bad thing for me because I have so much confidence in my Omnia yeah. with the. You know, the arrow I'm shooting, 512 grains, 306-ish feet per second. Uh, Put it anywhere I want, and I'm going to blow through whatever I am shooting at. Yeah. And see, I'm I'm, I'm 400 at right around 450, 460. That's what I was shooting out of the Remedy, and I was getting 285 at 63 pounds. Yeah. This one is going to be ridiculous. It's, be, it's ridiculous, dude. What speeds are get coming out of this bow? Yeah, I'm excited. Shorter draw lengths are benefiting from the the platform. I mean, that Omnia, this cam stores so much energy. Um, it's the shorter draw length guys are just they're loving it. Yeah, they're that's the that's the thing. Yeah, even the the shorter guys are are getting it. Yeah, I haven't tested that yet. I'm a short dude, so I gotta. I got to decide whether we're going to do that or not. Oh, know. yeah. I think that's something we need to do, dude, for you. Let's let's look at a couple different draw lengths. 
So, either way, um, Western Hunting or well, the Western Expo. Western Hunt Expo. How did it go, dude? I mean, if you haven't been, if you're a Western <clears throat> hunter uh, or interested in getting Western hunting, hands down, you got to go. Like I've been to Dallas Safari Club. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a place that I, I generally try to go to. You know, every year I never get a chance to go, but this year I did Dallas Safari Club. Mm-hmm. Was out there looking for a American Bison hunt. And this year we had an opportunity to get out the Western Hunt Expo, and dude, that place was phenomenal. I mean, I heard it was like a a, a playland. Dude, over sixty thousand people will walk through the uh, wow. convention center. Yes, are you kidding me, dude? I'm telling you, Saturday, there was so many people you couldn't walk through the aisles in the morning. When wow. I walked across from my hotel into the convention center, the door to get in the main convention so you walk in the convention center there's like a big long hallway and then you got to go into one of the convention like ballrooms mm-hmm. and then it's like just a huge convention room was from the middle door all the way out to the main door of the convention center building so i mean thousands of people lined up right at 9 30 a.m doors Ready don't open until 10 you know you go in there you can apply for your utah once in a lifetime tags yeah. you know the five dollar tags was it was a big deal and so you know you go drop a couple hundred bucks and potentially get some very you know sought after tags in utah mm-hmm. um the people there are <coughs> awesome how many manufacturers were there like in the archery industry? um archery wise you had um matthew set a booth there this year they were uh they were partnered with shields uh out of utah they were kind of working together you had Hoyt there. I mean, mm-hmm. that's their that's, that's their, their home turf. Their home yeah. turf. yeah, they're, they, they it's their backyard. Um, you know, we were there. Uh, Elite was there working with a, a couple pro shops within the area. Um, okay, so I got. I'm just gonna say it. No, I'm not gonna say it. Nah, it ain't worth going down that road. No, it, I have an idea where you're going. A manufacturer that doesn't build a Western honey bow. I'm just gonna say that. Sorry, I don't get it. You guys aren't picking up on this. They're all looking at me really fucking weird right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's a manufacturer there who does not build a mountain western hunting bow. Dude, just leave that alone. Ain't even, it ain't even close. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <coughs> it a, is it's, what it is. It's a 20 yard tree stand bow. Sorry. That's but hey, look, we're all archers. Everyone has their own personal. I preference. know, I know. I gotta shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Damn. Well, I'll keep Anyhow. you at me. I'll keep you at me. We don't need any hate mail. No. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was, you know. There's a little bit for everybody. There's a little bit for every man, every, yeah. everybody. Just thank God they have TV for that. That's my last statement. <laughs> God. <laughs> but no, the, it was. The Western Hunt, Hunt Somebody Expo. Somebody spiked his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Western Hunt Expo was hey, I'm drinking awesome, coffee, dude. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I know. Hush, the show Hush they say a, is amazing. Hushin was there. Hushin had a dope. Oh, booth. Dude, I mean, shout cool. out to those guys. Good job, touche. All yeah. three of them there: Casey, uh, and yeah. Eric, and yep, they're all there. I mean, dude, anybody and everybody within the Western hunting industry. So all. The, so let me ask you a question, though. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. And there's me and Blake were arguing about this one guy that I don't like. Oh. Um, the other day. Um, so we're all the 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 the, the social media wannabes there. 
I'm assuming. I would say a handful of them were. <clears throat> so yeah. it's not as yeah. bad as like Shot Show, where everybody's no, got a camera a and, and no, not at all. Okay. This was consumer based. These were oh, people. Got okay. People were there, you know, talking to outfitters, uh, talking got it. about hunts. They were there putting right. in for once in a lifetime yeah. sheep tags. They're there trying to get the you know those sought after. Not YouTube. there to build their YouTube channel. No, no. <laughs> this was this was a cool show. Like if you want to go meet, mingle, and and talk to people, talk to outfitters. I want to go mean, sell my blinds. Yeah. You, that would be a great place to do it. Um, there's a, there's you know international uh, outfitters there as okay. well. Um, the difference between Dallas Safari Club and Western Hunt Expo was like the African outfitters are very very concentrated at Dallas Safari Club. Yeah, like it's, it's almost too much. Well, just about every every Safari Club international event, you're gonna have the same Limpopo, South yep. Africa, uh, Johannesburg, or whatever. Mm-hmm same hunts the argentina doves all yeah. that stuff here it wasn't like that um there's i felt like there's more western oh cool and there was still those you know african safari new zealand safari yeah uh outfitters that were there to talk to and that was cool but uh you know the mule mule deer foundation mm-hmm. is is the main supporter of this event okay um so there is really the mule deer foundation yeah dude oh, i didn't know that dude there was they're big out there some of the <clears throat> biggest mule deer i've ever seen in my life they had like this little mule deer elk museum on the far left side of the expo that's ridiculous i was like a kid in the candy store just looking <laughs> at puppies in the window yeah. you know, however you want to say it i'm just going oh my gosh these animals exist yeah i've seen some of those guys that they come to the uh the ada or I forget what it's called that that show here in in San Antonio that's for um, for the genetics engineers mm-hmm. and they put out some of those elk and some of those mule deer that it, they they get hunted out in the west right and they're just oh yeah mind blowing now here's one thing I'm gonna say about the Western Hunt Expo and this is a purposeful shout out um, as a guy who is from Texas who who loves to hunt out west, been doing more hunting out west over the last few years, everything's been over the counter. I have wasted a lot of my time and my money on very expensive hiking trips. That's what I call these. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> right? Dude, but, everybody's done but that. But it's about the experience, right? Yeah, everybody's done that. Um, <clears throat> my buddy Ted Valencia out of uh, South Texas near the McAllen area got hooked up with a company called The Draw. And... The draw is, you know, one of those companies that you can sit down, talk with some guys, let them know, like, hey, I have aspirations to hunt elk, mule deer, antelope, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to take your hunt package. They're going to say, hey, okay, what kind of quality of animals are you looking for? Well, I just want good representation. Some guys may say, no, I want the next world record. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, here's, here's what your hunt package looks like. What states do you want to apply? How many times a year do you want to hunt? And they build you this package. So they've pretty much become your travel agent for they, a broker. They, yeah, yes. they're a broker. And dude, <clears throat> for the cost that it, I mean it it's takes it's, the it takes the, the pressure a off of you. It's no brainer for yeah. me. You know, I'm going to spend you could spend whatever you want. It could be I would say $1500 is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um I think my hunt package is right around 2000, but that that puts me in a position that um Casey said within the next 2 to 3 years that I'm going to be drawing two hunts a year. And I believe him because Ted, within two years of drawing it or, or doing this uh, operation called the draw, he's drawing a covenant caribou tag in Alaska, shot a 440-inch caribou, and he drew New Mexico. Damn, that's and crazy. And he killed, I want to say that <coughs> one was like 350 in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's a boat hunt, one was a gun hunt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he's just setting himself up to draw these other states along the way. And some just, of them are going to be guided. Some of them are going to be unguided. It just yeah. depends on what you're looking for. For me, it's a plus because they, you know, they're going to also help me with Peyton. So start putting her in for these hunts now. You know, How old is she? Billing she's up 13. So yeah, she's good now because you got to be 12 to start putting in. The by the time she's points. in her late 20s, <clears throat> there's a very good chance that she can draw. She'll be going some know, gangster hunts. So I don't know. It's uh, if you if you're interested in hunting out west, not sure how to do it, and you're like, hey, I want the biggest bang for my buck. Check out the draw. Reach out to Casey. Uh, you know, Casey's the guy that I'm working with. Was super personable, very just honest and straightforward. And uh, I look forward to working more with him. And yeah, check out the draw. I mean, that's the draw. The There's draw. a bunch of um, what is it? There's a bunch of companies that do that mm -hmm. now. I mean. Quite yeah, uh, let's say go hunt. Does go hunt do go it? Go hunt does it. Yeah, I want to uh, say I want to say even Onyx is hooked up with some people on those brokerage hunt. It's not a brokerage hunt. It's they they go in and tell you. Oh, they're your travel agent. Here's how you tag. Yeah, exactly. Here's how what tags you apply for. Here's when you put them in. Here's the best units. Mm -hmm. you know, so it takes so. all the guessing work out of the yeah, person. They do it all because somebody that well, doesn't know how to do it, you're going to spend big, a lot of time and money. The biggest thing they're going to be able to, to help and educate you on is point creep. Because yep. point creep is what, what kills you. You know, mm -hmm. everybody and their grandma wants to hunt unit 76 in Colorado, Southern Colorado. Well, and they know the units that have, like, good quality animals Bingo. with a better better chance to draw. Bingo. Then that's the key. Because there are, those are hidden pockets in some of those that maybe me, you, and everybody else don't know about. Dude, yeah. I can tell you the unit I hunted in Colorado, which was over the counter, I ain't even going to say what unit it is, but that was a sleeper unit. Yeah. I mean, what I what I got into in Colorado this year it was very impressive the bulls i mean the saturation of bulls wasn't very very concentrated yeah. we only came across two but the two bulls we came across well to play ball oh bro wasn't <laughs> wouldn't have hesitated <laughs> so awesome. just wrong time wrong time yeah. of the season yeah well that was everybody's fault last problem last year is crazy but yeah y'all gotta get awesome. out to western hunting <clears throat> you know the problem is it's always during always during vegas isn't it you know i i'm not i'm not sure i know this year it was but i mean there's a. Uh, for me, it was a bit. Wait, hold up, real quick though. Did you go as an exhibitor or as a? I, I was attendee? as an exhibitor. Okay. Because I was working. Um, you guys had a booth there. No, we didn't have a booth actually. At the end of the day, we were supposed to, um, but we didn't, and so I floated between uh, some of the shops there in Utah. Uh, Badass Outdoor Gear had a phenomenal setup. You know, they had a great setup in Wild Arrow. Uh, up near Centerville in Utah had a phenomenal setup and they were just, you know, really catering to the customers. Um, top of Utah, Lance at Top of Utah Archery, he was connected there with Bow Spider. Um, you know, they, they had a, a good deal going there too. But I mean, dude, Utah's got some just great bow shops. Humphreys Archery has three locations across mm -hmm. Utah. Um, you know, you got Riley over there. Um, the bow shop in utah and in, in nephi uh there's just there's a lot of great shops in utah good people hell douglas's kyle douglas's shop is, is in yep. utah so yeah utah is utah has become one of my favorite states kyle good was out in the tag yeah yeah it, true bro kyle was out hammering in vegas and his <clears throat> shop was repping over at yeah it's, at the western mountain you hear something funny i ran into his grandfather last year oh really yeah it's kind of a cool story we're in I'm not going to say where we were because they go up my elk spot. Let's put it this way. We were in a very, very, very remote town in western Montana. And a uh, population of maybe 35 or 40 people. Seriously, it's a bump in the road. And we were eating, uh, <clears throat> we were at a bar having a drink in the evening. And uh, 
this old guy comes in and we just start talking you know small talk he's from the town mm-hmm. so um, i just gave it away but either way um he's like yeah you know we're telling where they're archery hunting and stuff and he just nonchalantly yeah my my grandson you know does that archery stuff and claims he's pretty good at it and stuff and he's won some events apparently that mean something you know we're like really we know what's he won you know well he he won some big tournament in las vegas last year and i looked at the guy and i'm thinking there no way and uh he said yeah i said well what's your son's name grandson's name if you don't mind me asking well, his name's Kyle Douglas, you know, and I'm like, the Kyle Douglas? <laughs> it was so funny because to him, it's just not that big of a deal. He just, he doesn't understand the magnitude of what Kyle's accomplished. Yeah. To him, it's just his grandson, you know, shooting a stick in the string. And it was hilarious, dude. Yeah, he's probably never shot a target tournament in his life. Just Well, I asked him, you know, what the heck is Kyle not hunting down here? And he says, man, he couldn't draw a tag. Yeah which is sad because I think Kyle has, but that was the same week actually that Kyle killed that gigantic. I was going to say it wasn't like he was. I think it was. He killed a hammer. He wasn't hurting for a big bull. Yeah, no, not at all. So cool story though because it was, it's made it a very, very small world, you know, meeting his grandfather over in Western Montana was kind of cool. That's just the archery world. Oh, it's tiny. Yeah, it is. It's actually really tiny for sure. Uh, Vegas shoot wrapped up. That Mm -hmm. was a hell of a tournament. Um, you know, and kind of wanted to talk through a little bit of this here. We had like 21 archers go um, for the first time in forever. I, sh- I didn't shoot. You know, I went there as a tech coach, had, you know, brain coach. I, t- I didn't go. I went, but I didn't shoot. I didn't know that. Yeah, bro. I got stopped by everybody. He said, what time are you shooting, Hamlin? Nah, I'm not shooting. What? <laughs> you know, you got to be kidding me. You got to admit you enjoyed that. I'll tell you what. It was awesome because of this reason. Because <clears throat> I had so many people I was responsible for. You know, it, the big reason was the pink berets that we now mm-hmm. represent in help and that's 12 women um in their first major tournament i knew i was gonna be running back and forth between you know ballrooms and, and exhibitor halls to ensure that their bows were doing what they're supposed to be and there was no there was no shortage of that whatsoever yeah i think my watch said i was at like 16 miles in three days of walking um no it was crazy and my phone was just ringing off the hook constantly but it was awesome, though. You know, I'm I'm there to help them, support them, and I, and I I told them no matter what happens, I'm there for you. Yeah. And um, it was really cool. But I knew I said because. But here's the crazy part. We talked about this on the last show. Did we? Yeah. About, about why were, why you weren't going to shoot. Oh, so I don't want to repeat all that shit. But no. anyways, no, no do but, it. No, but what was cool? I actually shot um, that Wednesday, mm-hmm. and ended up shooting my butt off, moving to a hinge. You know, the hinge with no clicker. I think we did talk about that on yep. the show. Dude, I did. It was, Blake's looking at me like, what? Dude, <sighs> I grabbed a release with no clicker in it and like went and shot like a 98, 22 X's with it. I missed my first two nines, my first two nines, and cleaned everything else. And I was like, then I went Sunday and shot a 3D tournament, really lit it up. And I thought, maybe I'm going to go to Vegas and shoot. But I was so glad I didn't because you know how I am. I shoot one nine and I'm done for the weekend. Yeah. And you know it's going to happen. You're going to Vegas, you're shooting a damn nine. Yeah. You know, it's just going to happen. All right, so you got to be prepared for it. I was actually talking to one of your shooters about that. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it was really cool to go and not have to worry about my score and only worry about helping people. And then I learned something at that tournament. And we had a long talk, and I, I wanted to talk about this in this segment, about preparation for a tournament like that. Mm-hmm. And I think our shooters that we went, that came out of the shop, we had about a half a dozen so out of the 21 shooters we had two that really stood out let's put it that way one of them which was the one of the pink gray girls um her name is nina lopez and i knew very early on she'd been shooting for probably about i think i heard like 90 days maybe three months and um 
shoots Barebo. Mm-hmm. There are 271 shooters, and that girl finished 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude, exactly. That's you, not so easy. you know, you yeah, know the magazine. I mean, you're an ex Barebo guy. Yeah, I'm ex Barebo guy. I right. won the trad 3D shoot from the state of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, that's not an easy task. Went up there and got 10th. And, and, uh, it was shocking. Got her two, got her two forty pin. Got her two fifty pin back to back days. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is she shot a two, on final day. Just let one get away, and I told her I said that one's going to sting. You know, she didn't know. She's an accountant, which is even funnier. And I told her I said you need to go back and just turn that two into an eight and see where it puts you. Put her top five. Oh, and that hurt. She was pissed. <laughs> I mean, really pissed. But no, she. But I think. And then we had another young kid. He's uh, Tristan. He's fourteen. Shooting about maybe three or four. Well, he, Tristan was shooting about six, eight months. Shooting uh, bow hunter class in the flights. So shooting against all adults and everybody. Man. Boy sitting in top 30 after two days. Oh, wow. And you know, there's 1,800, 2,000 shooters in that class. You, well, he shot, not he's that shooting many. with the Probably adults. Probably 1,000 shooting with the adults. Wow. Registered bow hunter flights. Mm-hmm. I think about 800 shooters, not that many. And um, he goes in there and just drops some dimes the first two days. It's kind of funny, though, because he... he um, like a typical 14 year old young male day two he almost missed his start time because he shot his two practice ends and then guess what he got two little hotties on his bail uh-oh oh yeah he got distracted got distracted almost missed his first end almost missed his first end we had to yell at him he looks at us and we point to the line they're already shooting and he freaked out you know gets up there still shot shot 29 but i had a pretty long talk with him when he got back said hey bro gotta focus you gotta focus i can wait you know, that stuff's going to be there the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. This is your one time at Vegas right now. And uh, then we'll hear this is devastating. So he goes into day three, confident. He's increased his scores every day, shooting in the in the mid to high 80s. And um, goes in, and I, I guess distracted. I don't know, because I wasn't there. didn't see this. But he goes up and shoots his first two practice ends. Everything's cool. Shoots his first official scoring end. Forgets that it's official scoring. He walks right up to his arrows and pulls them out. Oh no! That's a negative thirty. Boy, starting off thirty bum, in the bum, hole. Bum. I mean, it was unbelievable, yeah. dude. Unbelievable. That's rough. That's, so let's talk about a learning experience. Oh, shot a fifty-one or fifty-five. Would have been an eighty-five, I think, or somewhere in there. I forget what it was, but would have definitely put him way up on the food chain. Yeah, and ended up way down the food chain. One big mistake, and it was just mental. And I, I even told his parents, you know, for all the reasons this kid will do well in archery as a competitor, because he's very nonchalant, nothing gets to him, he has mm-hmm. no nerves, he's just, you know, mild-mannered, also will be his detriment because he can't stay focused sometimes because yeah. he is so He's going to get distracted. Exactly. So easily distracted. That's where that, that big mental focus comes into play. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you go in there with but, a half-assed mental game you're not gonna not gonna succeed especially at that tournament yeah which is nothing but a big mind f in my opinion yeah but i mean it's all in the preparation aspect yeah i mean if we're gonna get into preparation for vegas i think more importantly than your equipment it's your mindset um conversation i was having with a young archer was you know we, we everyone who goes to vegas wants to go to vegas and they want to do well period um they have aspirations of shooting 300s. They have aspirations of shooting a 900. I think that's everyone's goal. That's why we go and mm-hmm. do it. But you also notice there's a few archers that do it year in and year out. And there's a lot of archers that always come up short. Yeah. And I think for the, the younger generations or the, the new archer, um, you have to assess your preparation leading up to that event. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, I will say that if you look at your 
and you look at your year in a, as a whole, well, everyone's going to hunt. Every most most archers are hunting. They're shooting 3D, and there's a little bit of paper yep. sprinkled in. Exactly. So the conversation I was having with this young archer was that well, when do you when do you begin to shoot your indoor bow, my Vegas bow? Well, after hunting season. Okay. Well, when's that? Well, January. Well, yeah. For some people, they may wait till January. I'd say most probably start kicking it around come November, yep. December, and then you, you kind of start realizing, well, I'm shooting my outdoor bow from February through July. Mm-hmm. I'm hunting August, September, October into November, and then you're going to try to pick up your indoor bow, <coughs> shoot it for part of November, December, January. So it's 12 weeks of preparation into one of the biggest tournaments of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of us as, as archers, we put so much stress on ourselves to go in there. And honestly, Vegas is about being perfect, but you're only prepping for it 12 months out of the year or 12 weeks out of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like you know, your preparation, your expectations should meet your preparation and vice versa. And mm-hmm. If archers and myself like that, that's what's helped me as an archer is I've stepped away from shooting competitively as much as I had in years past. I still find myself able to go out there and stroke. You know, I, I feel, I know I can come in here and I'll shoot a, you know, I can shoot a couple three hundreds. My X count may not be as high on a Vegas face. It's going to probably be around 21, 23. Yeah, run a lot of dirty thirties. Yeah. But they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I may still shoot a 299 every now and then, but guess what? I'm not pounding paper for weeks Constantly. upon weeks. Yeah. Same thing with 3D. I can go out there 3D. There's no doubt I can shoot on the local course 18 to 26 up without the preparation. Now, mm-hmm. I can go out there and be upset at myself because Blake is capable of shooting you know, 22 on a really hard course to a softer course. course I should be... Th- 28 to 32 Mm -hmm. i could be upset that i i didn't perform to my full potential but if i actually take a step back and go well what did what did you do to prepare for this tournament right right, 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 right. well then it's like okay did i have a a relative expectation so with that young archer that's what i was kind of talking about from the mental aspect because they're like you know i got up there and i got so nervous well why'd you get nervous well because you're at vegas well yeah that's part of it Mm. but at the same time it's because you were set in, in your mind. You had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a lot of pressure. I don't <clears> care who you are. And there's a lot of things you can do for that. One of them, Scott and I were talking about this. You got to go and seek different opportunities to compete. God, different venues, different people right there. Cause yeah. you get used to shooting with the same people, you know, you go out there. Yeah. The nerves are going to get the best of you. But when you go out and you seek competition in, in different venues, you're going to, you're not going to be the best all the time. No, that's the, that's what I wanted to key on because they, you know, they 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 shoot at the home shop, you know, mm-hmm. all week. Um, they compete here at the home shop only. You know, they're not going to shoot at the competing shops or competing tournaments or different venues. You know, and because of that, you know, we all can shoot good at our home field, but what do you do when when it matters on the line? You know, yeah. and I tell you something else that happened, and and I think this is something that I was going to talk to everyone and staff about is you know, imperfect practice, meaning, you know, a lot of these people, they, they shoot, and they shoot a nine. First thing they do is like, ah, I'll finish this round later. And they walk away, mm-hmm. you know, 
And then they come back later and post another target and start another scoring round. Maybe four or five rounds in and hit another nine. Ah, I'll just finish this later. They go do it again. And what they're doing is they're never learning to finish under adversity. And it happened there because guess what? You're in Vegas. What happens when you shoot a nine and third end? Yeah. You got six more damn ends to shoot. How are you going to come back? You ain't walking off. How are you going to come back from that? Well, those lucky dogs didn't didn't give up after they shot that one exactly no. that's, and that's, what, and that's, that's something i think a lot of our archers you know we, we where we fell flat on our faces because i'm gonna tell you overall we had a a disappointing showing i'll say not poor but uh, we just didn't shoot to our potential we had some <laughs> but you, were, you're saying that you didn't have a disappointing <clears throat> pointing the disappointing yeah disappointing uh showing maybe some of these archers need to be real with themselves oh god did they shoot to their potential of how they prepared how they prepared and that's exactly right and And that's my point yeah my my advice there for all archers Mm -hmm. i don't care how long you've been in this game or if you're new i have found like i i never lost my passion for archery never have but i was kind of getting bored with the target world (laughs) for a little bit you get burnt out yeah and so i'm kind of glad i stepped away and got into crossfit as as heavily as i did competitively Mm -hmm. Because CrossFit actually taught me my mental game and how to make that stronger for archery. And what I mean by that is every day is a different day. So like when I would go in and lift, mm-hmm. right? Um, we don't we don't lift based off percentages. Correct. You know, uh, you know, weightlifting. It's like oh, sixty percent, sixty-five, seventy percent. No, we throw that stuff out the window. It's all relative and perceived. Um, exertion right mm-hmm. hey lift to a heavy or lift to a moderate weight for the day right every day so what i'm getting at there is every day is a little bit different yeah uh, for an archer you know we need to think the same way how did we sleep last night mm-hmm. how did we eat yesterday how did what what did we eat for breakfast today because what i think young archers and archers in general don't realize is that their performance you're still an athlete if you're not fueled properly, your mm-hmm. blood sugar levels start God, I'm so to glad drop. you're talking about this. This is amazing. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, if your blood sugar... Get on your soapbox, bro. <laughs> <laughs> As an archer or an athlete in general, if your blood sugar starts to drop, that's going to affect the way you hold. That's going to affect actually even your vision and how you see. You yeah. Know, if you're overstraining yep. uh, through your peep sight um, with the lighting changes. So, so many things would come into play. So, you know, for these archers out there that are prepping for indoor or outdoor, I'm going to say is like, you know, Check your egos at the door. You know, realize your preparation is what's going to set you up for success. And, and just learn. Go, just go out there and shoot. Yep. Go, go out, out there. there and shoot. And, and when I started doing that, man, archery became fun again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never really wasn't not fun. But, you know, that's what I hate about ASA is you go to an ASA tournament and a guy shoots 20 up. Mm-hmm. And he comes over to the booth. Hey, man, how, how'd your day go? Oh, man, it was. I wish I could have four arrows back. I, I sucked. Yeah. Well, what'd you shoot? Oh, I shot 20 up. I should have been 24 to 28. I'm like, whoa, timeout. So you, you're mad because you shot 20 up and you're setting top 10, top 15. So you're telling me four arrows is going to ruin your day and ruin your weekend. And that's already in your mind going into day into two. Into the day two. And how this creates a snowball. Effect, yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. like. You know, as an archer, like quit setting expectations that are 
Like I'm really, I'm all about setting big goals, Mm -hmm. but have a relevant expectation based off your preparation. Don't go out there and say you're going to shoot a 300 with 30 X when your preparation only allows you to shoot a 300 with 21 or maybe 299 with 18. You know, that the only way for you to gain confidence to be able to take that next step is to hit those little check marks along the way. And, you know, back to what Scott was saying is like preparation is key. It's not just what you're doing mentally, but it's what you're doing physically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you found that you were at the, the top of your game when you were in the gym and you were 10 pounds lighter, then Get back take in that there. into consideration. Yeah. For me, it's I look at, you know, how am I training? How am I eating? How am I sleeping? That is really a a marker for me in my training on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it in, in when it goes over into archery, there is not a tournament that you won't see me eat a similar breakfast, make sure I'm getting my, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep, and then go into my chair on a 3D range or at Reading or come sit near me at Vegas. I promise you, I have a snack bag. Yeah. You know, because I need to keep my body fueled. Don't change your habits the day of the tournament or Absolutely. in a tournament. That's another big thing that I see people do. You know, even if even if you're if you're used to having coffee in the morning, your body's used to it. You go there and you don't have it. You're going to create something that you your body's not used to, and it's mm-hmm. going to throw you out for for a whack. But well, yeah, even you know, and I want to key on some things. You said some great things, and uh, <clears throat> and every one of them should be you know, written down in the toolbox for every athlete um, that is out there. And I don't care what you're doing. You could be freaking playing basketball for all I care. You know, because it's unrealistic expectation based off preparation. Dude, I want to make a t-shirt of that. No, I'm serious because that is like, one, I mean, I, I sit here and think about everyone that went there and struggled. And I, if they looked in the mirror and were true to themselves and honest, they should be okay with right where they stood because they preparation creates opportunity dude bro. i'm telling you bro and it's i know because as a coach sitting back and watching yeah none of, actually nobody, had that nobody put time. in the work i'm telling you now i'm gonna call them out our people nobody put in the work uh, now there was one young man who who did put in the work and i felt horrible for him um and he shot his lights out you know two weeks before the event and, and actually uh, did really well in our tournament i think he finished like fourth or fifth no uh-huh another one and uh i ain't gonna say who it is because i don't want to irritate anyone but he, the kid was just prepared he was yeah. ready mm-hmm. but you know what his problem was in he went in over prepared he has shot so much and, and practiced so much and worked so damn hard um, he peaked too early yeah it happens his, with it, runners all the time and his yeah. expectation and his expectation was too high i mean he went in there with the expectation and the pressure at basically four, 15 years old uh, to win the damn thing mm-hmm. and i tell you that is a lot for anybody we just talked about it in the last show you create pressure that is not needed exactly you put so much pressure on yourself when it, in reality you don't need to do that well here's where it gets worse so here are, here's what happens and then i see this with a lot of our shooters and it's just not our shooters it's a lot of people that are there period a lot of shooters overall from all over the mm-hmm. world they come there and i've always said this before and blake i know you and i have talked about this a million times you know if you don't have it going to Vegas, you ain't finding it in Vegas. No, you ain't finding it there. Bro. No, and then, but that's what they do. They're spending hours and hours and hours at that practice bail. 
you know, they're keeping Lancaster they're, Archery in they're business wearing because themselves they're themselves out right. at the practice bill. Or they're buying the, releases. They're buying new peeps. They're buying half of them probably bought new bows. You know, <laughs> put new stabilizers on. I mean, and like I said, it's a boondoggle buying for the points. vendors because they're trying to buy points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once again, changing everything they've done for the how many months preparing for it, and because they dropped one bad score, which was a, in my opinion, a hundred percent mental. They're trying to find fixes and changes within their equipment to, to get that back. You know, if if I have the opportunity to go to Vegas next year and actually shoot, uh, which I hope I do, hopefully the, the Western Hunt Expo in Vegas doesn't overlap, um, what, I, what I would personally do going forward, knowing what Vegas is about, shooting Vegas in the past, and having these conversations with archers is, and I gave this suggestion to an archer just the other day was, shoot a vegas round once a week don't get uncomfortable or don't don't get away from that target face Mm -hmm. let it stay part of your practice regimen i mean uh, i'll tell you what one thing a lot of young archers do that i I don't agree with is they'll brag about how many arrows they shoot a day oh i shot 400 arrows a day Mm -hmm. hey that's great how many quality arrows did you shoot yeah so for me it's purposeful practice or practice with a purpose yeah you know just like i when i'm when i'm working with my my kids for running you know there's there's a certain you know template we use for their running days you know we do speed days earlier in the week mm-hmm. we you know follow a speed day i'm not going to go ahead and put a high-end quality day behind that i may follow it up with an easy run then i get into more um aerobic base work yeah and we definitely take a, an easy day or a cross training day then i get into some tempo work but then maybe a complete rest day or an easy run day, depending on the volume of that athlete and what they're able to handle. And then I finish it off with a long run there. There's high quality days in there. Uh, and then there's days that, you know, we're just cross training or, you know, reducing the volume. Ar- archery is no different. You create a training plan. You got to have a training. And, plan. and there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and I'll, I'll be happy to shout this one out like crystal Govin, She's fantastic at putting together training plans for that. You want to put together a training plan for Vegas? She'll help you out. How did Crystal do, by the way? She, it was her first tournament shooting back like two in, years. In, in in the pro, and she was she was joking because uh, she said she was on her third setup because she doesn't live close to a shop anymore. Yeah, and her house, her and uh, and Rich's house had a tree fall on it and oh, no. had to get demolished and restarted. So <clears throat> right, but she's back in, and and anyway, we've been talking, and she does some of my training plans for outdoor and stuff. Not every day is a scoring day. No. Um, not every day is a, a you're going to shoot ten games. You know, you keep you keep doing the same thing. You almost start working in those bad habits and those bad shots into your overall routine. There, there in my routine, there used to be a day that like for three D. There was a day I'd go out there and I'd shoot all uppers. Mm-hmm. There was a day I'd go out there and shoot all lowers. There would be a day that I just shoot fifty arrows blind bill at five feet in my garage. Yeah, working on shot execution. Or you shoot all black animals are all light colored change it up there's there would be days that i would go out there and i would literally just point my bow and aim aim yeah and not even fire a shot yeah exactly um so those are the that that's purposeful practice in my opinion yeah um you know we that's get, why sometimes scoring is not the best thing no it's You're, not. you know that's yeah. like well i mean think about it that's like telling a weightlifter to go Go to go for a PR every day. PR every day. That's yeah, asking. Yeah. That's point. asking a pitcher in baseball to go throw max effort every day. And throw oh. a no hitter. 
it's yeah, it's, yeah. You don't work out your chest every single day of the no, week. No, <laughs> I mean, and looks like it, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. There's there's and there's a lot of stuff, and I I agree with you guys. There's times when when I've been to camps where they take our target and they flip it around where it's just a white sheet, right? Just point at the middle, mm-hmm. just shoot at the middle, and then we'll see what, how you did. Well, Count and, the holes. You know, even for bow hunters, I mean, we've got bow hunters on that are listening right now that are, you know aren't tied to a target bow. Yeah. Same thing for you guys. How often do you practice shooting setting down? How often do you practice at shooting odd distances? Mm-hmm. 23, 27, 48. You know, how many, how often do you shoot 20 yards and in? How often do you shoot at 80 yards plus? Yeah. So even as, as a bow hunter, those, you can, you can take these tools, mm-hmm. these recommendations and apply them to your craft as a archer period into story yeah. or any other sport um you know and for me it's like as i get closer to the bow hunting season mm-hmm. dude i really focus on depending on where i'm hunting you know if it's if it's out west most of my shots are i, I make 60 my 20 mm-hmm. and i'm shooting daily with broadheads yeah you know um so we can apply this to so many different areas um of archery and i think if more archers start applying this type of practice and mindset they'll start to realize archery is a lot more fun than they're allowing it to be that and okay you said the key word there um the fun mm-hmm. because we honest, got into it for <clears throat> we, because we enjoy shooting our bow yeah. and i watch so many people and it's just not our shooters you know they go to vegas and they shoot what is considered in their eyes a bad score and man they're they're not having fun no more mm-hmm. i mean they're miserable and I tell you, it's 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 like a man. It's just like a bad disease, man. You can't you can't be that way. Matter of fact, I told one set of parents, you know, that you know the kid was practicing, you know, at five five thirty in the afternoon after you know pretty much everything's closed down. And I said, get that kid out of there. Take him to go ride a roller coaster. Take him to go ride go karts. Yeah. Go see a movie. Get him away from this sport for the next twelve fifteen hours. Let him decompress and get rid of and all they this. Come back. Yeah. Get rid of everything in his brain. Hell, on you, what's funny is heck, him and his buddy went and played, uh, apparently played video games. And you know, when you get the tickets mm-hmm. and then spent, I don't know, God knows how much money to win some cheap ass guitar. <laughs> 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 Got in trouble by the, by, by security a couple of times. And I'm like, dude, that's exactly what that kid yeah. needed. And what's funny, he came back the next day and shot a 95, I think it was, you know, which but is was, a lot back to where he's normal. Yeah. You know? When I first started in archery, I remember my first couple pro ams. As soon as I was done, I, you could find me on the practice bags. Same way. Dude, and you me and you used to do it, remember? We did it together. We did it together. In Louisiana. We, we, we'd shoot till dark. Yes. And it's like Remember what, one night I think we were there with Gillingham. Yes. He had a bad day, dude, and we were at this and I mean it was unbelievable. And that's but that's stupid. You're not gonna you ain't gonna find it. <laughs> no. <laughs> you ain't gonna find it. No, I'm, Sorry, I mean, Jack. I remember back in the day we used to do that. And yeah. I tell you, you know, I had a conversation with Dave Cousins about this. You know, Dave was saying, Yeah, sometimes people think that I'm unapproachable and I'm I'm angry all the time or I I don't really enjoy the sport. I'm doing it because I have to type stuff. And he says, but at the end of the day, when I get done shooting that, that, those 30 arrows or shooting that, that 60 arrow course, whatever it may be, the competition day, um, he, he puts so much into it mentally and physically mm-hmm. that when he's done, it's kind of like you and I going to work from nine to five. The last thing you want to do is stay. Yeah, he don't want to stay at work for another three hours. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and he goes and checks out. You know, and granted, he has sponsor obligations that he could, may or may not be skipping out on. I don't know. But because he's not available for the fans or not available to talk about archery more, he's just like, man, I just got to get away from it. 
Yeah. I need to go back to my hotel room and just chill. I think one of the biggest ways <clears throat> to combat that is learn learn to turn the switch on and turn the switch off. Yeah. Uh, you got to do that in between ends on indoor. You got to do that in between targets on 3D. Uh, you know, once again, where did I kind of perfect that craft of turning a switch on and off? It's CrossFit. CrossFit, yeah. I mean, I literally will be at an event. My first event may be at 8 a.m. My first, my last event, uh, four events in that day could be at 6, 7 p.m. at night. It's a lot of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of opportunity to make a move on the leaderboard. There's going to be workouts that are in my favor. There's going to be workouts that are not going to be in my favor. Yeah. So over that small time frame, I have to turn the switch on, and then as soon as that event's done, it's over with. I can't, right. Let's move on because right. I may have sucked in that one or it was damage control, and i got to be mentally and physically prepared for the next one, for the next one two because hours from now. Because you can't carry that one with no, you. No, you can't get it back. You can't get that arrow back. You can't get that score, score back. back. It's... It is what it is. So that arrow's gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's hard. Right now, maybe it is because I'm older <laughs> and I'm more mature yeah. and that I've experienced it is easier for me to say than it actually is to do. But I'm trying to instill this even in my daughter. You know, she's 13 years old. And, uh, you know, uh, I think one of the, the greatest things I came across was an Olympic runner. And she said uh, the first year she made it to, her Olympic, to the Olympics, um, past the trials, uh, her coach said, hey, going forward you need to live the rule of thirds and i think we can all apply this is is a third of the time you're gonna have bad practice mm -hmm. a third of the time you're gonna have okay practice and a third of the time you're gonna have a great practice and it's it's part of the process and so you know we have to embrace the process enjoy the process and love the process because at the end of the day if you're doing that You'll continue to improve in archery. You'll get over those humps and those plateaus. But this is a craft, mm -hmm. and it's a process. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah, that's something that, that our our uh, sports psych always talked to us about before going to tournaments. If you're outcome-oriented, yeah. you're probably not going to do as well <laughs> than someone that is process-oriented. Bingo. You know? Preach Just it. Trust the process. Love it. And yeah, I mean, there's that's, there's stuff that's some that, good shit right there. Yeah, both absolutely. of you, dude. Know, there's stuff that people what can. What did you say about the EO? What did you just talk about? That was good. That was good shit. Which, which part? The process part. The process. No, you just the made, rule of thirds. Was really good. Yeah, the rule of thirds. Oh, the rule of thirds. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. no, I like that a lot. And I think we, the well, expectation. You know, and here's what you know. Archery could be different in this a sense that there are a lot of people right now shooting perfect. Yeah. So you know. But you take that, you and if that's that, the benchmark now, yeah. But look at those guys. It's I a it's I a promise, lifestyle. I, yeah, it's a lifestyle. Now I do know <laughs> some of these guys that mm -hmm. do shoot perfect, and <laughs> they'd say they they're not picking up their indoor bows till October. Yeah. But you think of the amount of arrows that these guys are still shooting in the off season. Mm -hmm. They don't put their bows down, and they're they're having quality practice yeah. all year long and some of the some of these guys that are shooting perfect take it take it into consideration they're let's say in their late 20s levi is i want to say levi's 34 yeah he's been doing it since he was 14 Don't, younger well, yeah i was gonna say nine or ten yeah you know in the cup class him yeah. brandon reyes that whole crew there's a picture of them back in the day yeah look how long they've been with doing you know practicing the craft of archery that's their life that's their that's life. all they've known so, yeah they it's like riding a bike to them yeah and even then they're still not all perfect right you exactly. know so you can't 
you can't measure yourself um, to someone of that caliber. You know, you got to find someone that's you can compare yourself to. I think that's the hardest thing that a lot of people compare themselves. You know, people make the decision of I'm going to take this seriously, but still have a nine to five, but I'm going to take this seriously. And then when they go and perform and they don't perform mm -hmm. as good as the pros, they compare themselves and automatically put themselves down. Their self-talk is really bad. Mm -hmm. Their, uh, their self-image, and these are all words that I'm throwing out that come from mental training. You know, your, your self-image that you have on yourself goes bad. Stop comparing yourself to somebody who eats, breathes, shits, sleeps archery when mm -hmm. you have a, a nine to five. If that's not what you do. But dude, the, the, what you're saying about self-image and, you know, mental training and coaching, for me, um, you can use it, those those words as a life coach. Yeah. You know, self-image, exactly. right? Yeah. You know, look at yourself in the mirror. What are you comparing yourself to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and for me, it's like, okay, you, you work a nine to five. That's great. Guess what? So do some of these other guys. Mm -hmm. The difference is, is what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to be? You know, are you disciplined? You know, That's for the me, big one. For me, CrossFit, people ask me in the very beginning, why'd you get into CrossFit? It's because I sucked at it. <laughs> I, I wanted a new challenge I've been there I've you done know? I used to CrossFit it's like so that's why I did it and guess what I sacrificed some things over the last couple of years and archery was one of it yeah. <coughs> you sacrificed you got, archery big you, time you got Hamlin in my ear and my boss Paul Gio in my ear and they're like you know you're, you're doing so much where, where is your focus and I was like you know what and my wife gosh dang if there if there's one person that can you know hit my hot button and, mm -hmm. and push me to do certain things in, in the right manner it's 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 kel you know she was like you know you're putting all this time into anything and to multiple things and she's like you could be really good if you focused on one and so it was about three years ago i, I was actually i'd had a big talk with kelly and me and hamlin were talking i was like you know what i think you you had said it you yeah you and, and i talked a lot about it, but it was mainly you that had made mention that i'm only going to be 30 one 32 years old once once yep and okay. so i wanted to make a run for the crossfit games and dude i i focused on work mm -hmm. and i focused on well preparation working out working out yeah. and you know family first yeah and then everything else came underneath that and i i didn't go to tournaments and i, I was waking up at 4 30 and i was training and i was mm -hmm. doing my nine to five and picking up the kid and training in the evening and you know, it was what it was, but what I'm getting at there is there was sacrifice. So I yeah. mean, you can't say, Hey, I work a nine to five. Well, if this is your goal, then let, let's find a way. You know, I tell my runners that all the time. Like some of my kids are like, Oh coach, I'm just so busy. I'm like, no, you're not. How much? Let me see your phone. I always yeah. grab their phone. Let me see your phone. Let me see your screen time. Let, let me see your screen time. Yeah. Oh, you, you're averaging six hours a day on your, on your phone. <laughs> yeah. They got no time. Yeah. How, <laughs> how many hours are in a day? Yeah. Uh, 24 yep. how yep. many hours do you sleep exactly eight so eight and six is what mm, 14 so 14 hours of the day 10 hours of the day is left okay how many hours are you in school they start doing the math and they go oh, oh boy yeah so i mean yeah we can all find times as if you if you're willing to you know that's what yeah i, I always tell people with working out you know because it's part of you know your it's your lifestyle it's my lifestyle jason your workout you just got to make it part of the schedule. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you really do. The, the big and it's thirty the, minutes a day. This is yeah, the big word. It's the big word you've been saying this whole time. It's sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. The other thing that I always tell people is surround yourself with the right crowd. Yep. Surround yourself with the people that are going to push you to succeed. The the friends that are going to be happy for you, not the the friends that are going to try and bring you down. I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, we shot 
we shot Gnome Pro last year together, Scott and I, and I wouldn't sit there and be like, God, I wish he sucks more than I so that he's exactly. last and I'm not. No, I'm I'm rooting for him. Exactly. I want him to do better than me and stuff like that. Surround yourself with the right people that are going to push you and help you through that sacrifice and just put in the work, man. Well, you it's know, just, surround yourself with people <clears throat> that are similar mindset, right, with that you lifestyle. Know, well, you said it the other day. I mean, hell, I was uh, – yeah, I've been negative Nancy a lot lately. You can say it, Kidder, because you Dude, and I over, talk. Over the last bite me, bite two me hard. years, bro. So, and I have been because I, I, you know, I'm always, you know, we've been riding a pretty good high here at this shop and busy and, and, and everything. And, you know, I'm just always waiting for the bottom to fall out. And Blake said, you know, you made a comment to me about two months ago. Uh-oh. And we're having this conversation. This this shit sticks with me. So to, to prove that I'm listening, he, um, he makes a comment about, you know, you know, dude, I'm, I'm going to, you you got to quit surrounding yourself with the negativity, people that are negative. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't even realize it because a lot of the guys that I was kind of leaning on and stuff were guys who, you know, they're they're pessimists to a degree. And that, mm-hmm. that stuff, you know, what's the old saying, misery breeds company, you mm-hmm. know. And I really started to think about that and look at it. And uh, <clears throat> so I've been more selective on that. But Well, I appreciate you listening. Yeah, I did. I listened to your homes. But on the flip side of that, I'll tell you this, and you guys are both going to attest to this because, you know, like you've been hyper um, successful in the CrossFit world and archery, Jason. You know how many freaking world championships you have under your belt now. You win everything you shoot now. <laughs> Fucking crazy. And um, but think about this. I don't think the average person, and I'm gonna even say just within the shop, the shooters that are out on the tour, um, competing as amateurs, even. The, I would say more than fifty to seventy-five percent of the people that are at Vegas, they have no idea what it takes to be great. There's a there's a different level of commitment, preparation, time to be great. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is. I don't care what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Not just archery, everything. And ninety percent of those people I don't believe are willing to put in what it takes to be great. But they have aspirations. They want to be. They talk the talk. They do not walk the walk. And that part is what drives me crazy as a coach. Yeah. You know, I always tell people all the time, you know, I have been great at things that I've done in my life. I was an incredible wrestler as a kid. Um, went to school on it, everything. Um, I've I've been lucky in the things and the passions that I've had through life. I have put in the time and the effort to be great. And I watch. So because of that as a coach, and Blake, I know you will relate with this. I will, the, the people that I coach will never want it as bad as I want it for them. I, I, dude, I find Never. that I'm, I'm finding that right now with some of these young the high school athletes that I'm yeah. coaching for running. Uh, I, I told a kid the other day, I said, I think I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. hundred percent, bro. hundred percent. Yeah. But I think we all have that person, you know, even, even, even in ourselves, I think there's times even the greats still question because we're human. Oh, of course. You know, and you still need that someone to say, Hey, no man, you got this. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's why you you always want to surround yourself with people of similar, you know, interests, like mindsets. But also, I think it's very important to surround yourself someone with someone who is better than you. Because of it's course. going to keep you hungry. I mean, yep. one of my best friends, uh, my coach for CrossFit, Aaron Bielefeld, one of the fittest guys in the world. Like, mm-hmm. li- literally, he finished seventh at CrossFit Games uh, this past year in his 40 to 45 age division he was fifth in the 35 to 39 division mm-hmm. this dude looks like he's chiseled from stone and he's a great god but i i i'm inspired by him yeah you yeah. know right he pushes me to be better he challenges me to get uncomfortable um and we all need that i mean um our generation 
today, this younger generation, and even our current generation, it's it, it, you need to learn to be a, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. When, when you can do that, you'll find success. And so, you know, no matter what it is, I think everyone should challenge themselves. Find something that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if it's it's running, maybe it's uh, I, I don't know. I think running's just the first thing that comes to my mind because I mean, hell, I hate running, <laughs> but but I it's I, hard, but I do it. Yeah, because it's challenging, and I've I've made the commitment to myself, like, hey, well, hey, you're gonna break a six minute mile. You're well, gonna break a twenty minute. Let's 5K. let's use archery. I hear this all the time from guys. I these hate these exactly what you just said, <laughs> I bro. Hate I, they're they're three D archers or they're feeded guys, and they hate indoor. Despise it. And honestly, I'll tell you, I hate it. Yeah, I hate having to strive to be perfect. It takes a lot of mental acuity but that's where you hone your perfect. mental your but mental that toughness. exactly if you go there and try to master that game mm-hmm. you know i was talking to chris ellison we're sitting there in the stands and watching this young archer this young kid shoot and i looked at chris and i said you know this is quite frankly the easiest discipline within the sport our sport of yeah, archery. there's no it's 20 yards you've got to hit you know quite frankly you know depending on what class you're in but you hit a yellow dot and or a yellow x which is the side of a 50 cent piece at 20 yards, 30 times. And I'll put it in perspective. That baby X is not no 50 cent piece. Yeah, it is. No, the, the big 10 The is. big 10. Oh, the big 10. The big 10, yeah, 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 yeah. 50 cent piece. Oh, for a 300, yes. Yeah, yes, for a 300. Yes. No, so get this. Now, and this is why I told, I, I'll ask you this. Hmm. You put a 3D target out there at 20 yards. How many times are you gonna miss that bonus 12? Probably Hardly ever. not at all. Exactly. Inside out or you know, bad shot, you're kissing the line. Yeah, so I'm saying, you're probably not gonna miss. I am comfortable enough in my own abilities to know that at 20 yards. I'm calling I'm a 14. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually hitting that. Yeah. And then we get in this damn game of, of the Vegas shoot or any indoor shoot for that matter. And it's just. And it's a mind screw. It's a monster. It's a mental God, monster. It's a mental monster. And that's why you get so angry when you shoot that nine. It's like, how the F did I just miss that damn target? Well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> Speaking of Vegas and Western Hunt Expo, Bill Pellegrino, um, phenomenal archer and world-renowned bow hunter out of uh, absolutely, Bill he's a legend, dude. Archery hut in Colorado Springs. He uh, <laughs> he uh, got a verdict this year and set it up and was stroking with it and really, really wanted to go to Western Hunt Expo and it overlapped with Vegas. So he was like, "Well, I guess what I'll do is." Uh, I'm just going to go to Vegas. I'm really, I want to see everybody. I want to go to Vegas, yada, yada, yada. Oh, man, I really want to go to West Hunt Expo, put in for these tags, see what it's about. And he said it was just a couple days before the shoot, and he was driving to Vegas, and, um, you know, he decided, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Vegas, and I'm going to shoot well. But there's a chance on day two that I may drop drop a point, shoot 299. <laughs> and he goes, all I'm going to do then is be like, screw it. I'm, I want to go to the Western Hunt Expo. And he said, I'd probably pack up my stuff, not tell anybody bye, and I'd get in my truck and drive straight up to Utah. And he goes, so once I realized that's kind of what my mindset was, I said, screw it. I'm not going to Vegas. And he just came to the Western <laughs> Hunt Expo. <laughs> Smart but, guy. But that's, that it goes back to the mindset aspect of it is, you know, the, the, the challenge would be as an archer is, okay, you're a 299. Shit, now I need to see how many X's I can get. Come on, let's battle back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. Vegas, Vegas intrigues me. Um, I, I'm probably the opposite. 
I love shooting a Vegas face. I'll fall asleep shooting a NFA five spot. Oh God, join the club. You know, I hate that. Um, thing. I've shot 60 X's there. Uh, I've never shot a 30 X. I can say that, but mm-hmm. I've gotten close at 27, 28. Um, but for me, it's, I, I like to challenge. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. I'm a little different. Just if anybody doesn't know me, I'm a little just different. a little bit. I like to suffer and I like to challenge myself. Well, you know what though? You're like, you remind me of Chance, Bobeth. I'm with, well, let me explain why he's looking at me all weird. Like, what are you talking about, bro? You mean that dude's a robot? <clears throat> he is a robot, but so are you. I've watched you shoot indoor, and let's be honest, you like to aim. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Shit, you like to aim, Jason? I hate no. aiming. I freak out. Have you seen me shoot? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Homeboy your, here your, likes to aim. Your pin is not going to get any better the more you hold it. <laughs> exactly. One I just, two, let, it da- I just one let it dance. Dude, dude, one to two seconds, and this thumb is doing <laughs> what oh this thumb God. is meant to do. Exactly. I said okay, it the other day, and I'll say it again. Of what not to do. No, for real. I hate aiming. The more I'm in that yellow, the more freaked out I get, and I'm you know rushing the shot because it looks so damn pretty. You like to sit in there and just go to sleep. It's. it's I call my break. It, it, it's that's. That's what we're supposed to do, bro. I call my bro. thumb Tyson for a reason. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. If you like to aim, you'll do good in, at, at a sport like indoor. Yeah. Um, most of us don't. Do. Most of us I, get in there yeah. and we but start you know freaking much, out. Okay. <clears throat> you're right. I do like to aim because it's, I like to feel the shot. Like I, I can feel that buildup of tension, that pinch just floating. As long as I'm just kind of correcting it, keep bringing it back to the middle when that shot breaks, I'm very confident it's yeah. going to be there. But you want to know why I got that way? Endless hours in college. practicing that. Well, in college. So when I was in college is when I got into archery. Mm-hmm. And there was my last couple of years, I, there wasn't really any 3D. So I had a morel bag target in my apartment. And there was a cinder block, block, cinder block wall mm-hmm. that, you know, was the back part of my closet. And I would literally sit there at like 5 to 10 feet. And I would draw back and I'd anchor in. And I'd put my pin inside you know a pinhole black dot and just work on correcting correcting and when my pin would start shaking off of that black dot i'd let down and i just build up that that confidence in my shot that the pin's gonna move yeah and it's gonna float and you just gotta be okay with it working on your aiming drills is a big part i've and it's still that you talk about preparation and practice yeah it's one of my it's one of my go-to drills that if i don't have time to go out there and shoot if I just go into the garage and, you know, usually what I'll do is I'll take three shots. Um, but in those three shots, the repetition is rep one, aim, let down. Rep two, aim, let down. Rep three, aim, begin to execute, boom, fire. Mm-hmm. Do that for, you know, if I do that 10 times, that's essentially 30, 30 arrows. How mm-hmm. many arrows do we shoot in Vegas? 30, 30 but arrows. I'm, only fire, I'm only firing 10 of them. Yeah. But it's still muscle memory and preparation. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's something I've done for years. I still do it. I have my daughter do well, it. Well, you know, the difference in what I was saying is that, you know, when you get a pin in the dot or your dot in the dot and you're sitting there, I know you're, you think it's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the average you, Joe is the like, average oh, Joe shit. Is like, oh, oh shit. shit. Oh, as soon, shit. As soon as he gets the pin <laughs> in the middle or the dot in the middle, he's a, he is doing exactly what Jason just said. He is saying, Oh shit. So where you enjoy that and probably start smiling, which is freaking insanity. We're sitting there saying, Oh shit. You know who else is like that though? <clears throat> um I know Bo- Chance does it. I've talked to him about no, it. Bodie Bodie Turner. 
Bodie's doing that. Bodie, really. So Bodie's dad, um, you know, with shot IQ, he was he was shooting a bow outside of a Hoyt, and the reason why he wasn't shooting it is so what I've been told was that it held too good. So they actually want Bo, Bodie's dad teaches Bodie to have a little bit more free float, you know. He would actually say he doesn't want it to set in the middle. And honestly, guys, my pin doesn't set in the middle. Mm-hmm. No. It'll bounce up and down over that. I think X. most people's does. Now, as I start to build pressure and that shot execution, it somehow always finds a way. It like shakes itself back to the middle. Um, and I'm usually around the X when I fire, but it never just sets there. Like I, I wish I could say it just sets there. There's some days it does, um, and it's it's nice when it does that. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm always recorrecting it, bringing it back to the center. But Bodie, uh, apparently I was told by my buddy Chris Escarcega, who shot with him at Archery World, um, was telling me exactly that, that Bodie, they, they set up his bows so that there, there's, move. there's some movement in there. Yeah, That's actually a good idea, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to reteach myself how to break my shot, punch my shot <laughs> in the middle, because Dude, all outdoor let's, life. Let's, let's not call it punching. Let's call it well, a controlled execution. I'm, and, and this is what I tell people. I don't actually do the, the the what the guys do where they come around and slam the trigger. I just have it on there, build, build pressure. pressure, and I know when my shot's going off. My mind's telling my finger yeah. a little bit more. But anyway, all last season outdoor, <laughs> I was hidden center by aiming at a at a eight nine line underneath the the ten. Yeah. That was my comfortable spot. That's where my mind was like, this is perfect. This feels great. Right. And just move my so side. You were, you were just sighting in hot. I was just hot sighting right. in. Yeah. And then every once in a while, Do my stupidity it, would get the best of me and be like, I'm going to break this one off right in the middle. Do <laughs> you think high. it's because of the height of your chair? No, it's, it's just. easier for you to hold low than try to aim slightly uphill? It might have been. Um, and then this year, I'm, I'm finding it a lot easier um, to train myself to just break it right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's just reteaching it. and For years, dude, I was the same. Um, I would always lollipop. Yeah. In other words, if I drew back, whether it was a Vegas three spot, if it mm-hmm. was a An 12 ring, five, yeah. whatever, I would hold right inside the X or inside the 12 at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, Henry Bass actually helped me a couple years at Reading because I found myself in some of the uphill shots. Um, and even some of the flat shots, those big orange dots – I would hold at six o'clock in the orange Mm -hmm. and there's, there's not very much forgiveness for any Bob or maybe you break slightly under it because the distortion of your pin versus the target color. You don't realize that, Oh, you're actually about a half inch quarter inch under it. You look like it, you're up in it, but you're not. So, you know, Henry worked or not worked with me, but basically said, Hey Blake, as you're dropping into that big orange dot, Mm -hmm. start your execution. Once you come into the top of the orange so that it breaks as so i honestly i would come into i remember doing it on the not big foot but there's some targets that are big foot's feet Mm -hmm. and i drew back and i anchored in and as i came in it was like click and i clicked right on top and then i just started executing that shot and boom i was breaking them in the middle all of a sudden i'm pounding out the center um and so, you know, that was, I started working really hard in the off season, even like uh, on 3D targets that, uh, you know, those aiming drills once again, where I was holding on the high side, you know, holding at 12 o'clock, practicing, just covering it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that I have a tendency even now when I cover up 
at least I'm covering it up, but I'm holding a little bit on the right side of it. Maybe not dead center, but at least I'm in the center. Yeah. Um, so you just got to find your tendencies and work around those things. See, I, the, what's helping me is I went down to a, I went down a whole fiber size. So I was shooting a 40,000s outdoor this last, last season. God, and I went down, so. yeah, I went down to a 30 or a 29. So now, you know, my mind was wanting to see what I was shooting at. Mm -hmm. That's why my, my fiber was, my pin was sitting underneath it. So yeah. I could see what I was shooting at. So yeah, just little things like that. I found a one five is like my sweet spot. Really? Yeah. I can't do anything under a 19. Yeah. Point one five. Uh, well, 19 can starburst too much. Point one five I find works well for me. I'm the same way. Spot, one five. Vegas face. Yeah. I like one five. It'd be nice if a hunting site had a one five. Dude, no kidding. Oh, <laughs> precursor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's fun. Vegas was fun. It was a great, great <clears throat> tournament. Um, Dude, the shoot off. We can. Uh, that's, do y'all realize the amount of drama that was going on in that shoot off? Oh, what do you mean? I get a chance to watch. I was on an airplane. Well, it, when I say drama, there was just a lot going on, and, and right. no one really knew. I mean, you know, you had Kyle Douglas, mm -hmm. who just switched from PSE to Botech. To Botech, correct. You had Chris Schaff, who now. Shooting angry. Yeah, I mean, he. 100% shooting he angry. He's no longer with Hoyt. And now he's basically you know, picked up where Kyle he was. Picked up where Kyle was mm -hmm. because of the change there, and shooting with something to prove. I mean, there was a a, a little archery soap opera going. Yeah, on there. Dude, I mean, there was a lot of the between manufacturers and archers. And, yeah, <coughs> you had Stefan Hansen wearing the Matthew shirt coming from PSC. Yep. Robert Householder going to Hoyt. going to Hoyt. Yeah, there were some cool things going on, and there's a young man who was took third. Tim. Tim from uh, Slovenia. Dude, props to that young man. Dude, yeah, that dude, that dude went with style. Dude, his his execution was was stylish. His hair was stylish. <laughs> he was just stroking. Yeah. But when it came down to Chris, like, so Chris shot for Elite um, for a few years back. Correct. Um, Did really well with him. Yeah, one of the nicest dudes I've ever been around. A very smart archer, a, a great husband, a great father, just a damn good person. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie, I was rooting for him. Mm -hmm. And dude, he, I'm getting goosebumps, look at this. <laughs> he was literally shooting angry. Like, oh, I yeah. got something to prove. Yeah, oh, dude. And his mic drop at the end when he won about the Dominator, he was like, if you're not shooting a Dominator, go get one. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, Chris, okay. Bro. Well, think about it, dude. He won Neves, he got second at Lancaster, and then won Vegas, yeah. and got second at World Cup. The man's been top two in the four biggest archer tournaments to start this year off. Look, and let's just be honest, guys. It ain't the bow. No. He could shoot <coughs> whatever. He could buy a Sanlita from Amazon and shoot the lights same, out. Same, oh, that's, so, same thing you know, with Kyle. Well, it's not here's the, the thing. Bow. And you Look know this. Well, Chances with the darting now. It's right. not the bow. You know these this. These guys are just They're machines. phenomenal archers. And that's what I, you know, and maybe we're giving away marketing secrets here, but at the end of the day, you could not have said it best. These guys can shoot whatever you put in their hands. Mm -hmm. They're going to figure it out, and they're going to mm -hmm. learn how to shoot it. Yeah. So because Chris went to PSC, didn't make Chris all of a sudden this great archer again. No. Because Chance went to Dart and didn't went. To, he's a great archer. They're always great archers. It's just I call it, I call it call it the new bowling ball effect. You know, I used to bowl a lot, and I get a new bowling ball every year. Man, when I got that first ball, man, I would stroke for like the first two or three weeks. It is. And then guess what? Bad habits start coming back yeah. and start mm -hmm. sucking again. Oh, ball's a piece of crap now. Yeah. I think you get into something new, man, you got something to prove. And I do believe Chris maybe 
probably shot angry. Yeah, for a you couple can, of you for a couple of reasons, you know. <laughs> you, even you've in got his, even in his execution, he was just pushing and pulling. And I mean, my my dude had some swag about himself on yeah. that line. Yeah, he was he'd walk away confident, and I was like, "That's the Chris Schaff I remember during World Cup." Yeah. Like yeah. Chris, if you get a chance to listen to this, bro, super excited for you. Happy to see you back on top. Uh, that was a wonderful performance, sir. Yeah, and again, it all goes back to preparation and that that quality surrounding. He's been practicing his ass off with Brady, with Brady Ellison. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself. I mean, you're not you're not going to have a Brady Ellison everywhere, but if you're not practicing with somebody that's better than you, you need to go find someone that's better than you Didn't and practice. I not just say that exactly. Yeah, that's so. that's that's how you do it. And yeah, man, it was. It was so amazing. Even the women's, uh, like the women's shoot off, oh, yeah. was was ridiculous. Dude, they've been one and two for how long now? They've been tied for first in the last four tournaments yep. and going head to head. And it's been Tanya wins one, Paige wins one, yep. Tanya wins one, Paige wins one, and here you go. And here and that was just again. ridiculous shooting. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And Tanya no. shot her butt off. It, her her and Paige did. both did. They both are amazing. They're they're amazing, amazing archers and great advocates for female archers and so personable, very genuine and just phenomenal shots. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. It was a great it was a good tournament. I I didn't get a chance, like I said, to watch that shoot off. I wish I would because I did hear that it was pretty pretty badass. Yeah. yeah I, my wife who <clears throat> never likes watching archery videos was making me watch it on YouTube. She was sitting yeah. there next to me just cheerleading. It was it was that was pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, well, it was yeah. a heck of a year for for Vegas, and um, we got the ASAs coming up here pretty quick. So we'll be on talking about them as they go. Yeah, um, Foley um, is coming up this two end weeks. This two weeks, and on and, and running in conjunction with that is the uh, USA Indoor Nationals. Yep. Um, kind of weird they end up scheduling those two over top of each other. That sucks. But yeah. It is what it is. There's a lot of archery now being created within this industry, and. Uh, they're starting to overlap and it's going to be kind of pick your poison and find out where you're at what you're good at yeah um, it's it's a big it's a big year yeah. it's going to be big for for asa you've got that those new classes you've got the senior known pro women's known pro yeah, that's going to be uh, cool to watch yep you've got a pre-olympic <clears throat> year on the on the world archery side so you've right. got a lot of meaningful world cups and stuff like that it's just yeah. going to be it's going to be a good year yep it's going to be pretty we're awesome we're just getting started and we're already blowing through it yep and I will speak on behalf of all the shops, you listeners out there. Get out there and support those shops. Hundred you know, percent. I'm seriously get out there and get into target archery. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's fucking one of the coolest sports on planet Earth. If yep. you don't have a verdict, buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Word, Jason. But yeah, you know, to, to Scott's point there for the shops and, and listeners getting into target archery, I think you know a lot of a lot of shops um, they struggle yeah, with they do. target archery, yeah. and it's. It's because the consumers, um, you know, they, they always want to try to find target archery elsewhere. I mean, if your local shop doesn't have target archery, guys, go, go talk to him. Go talk to the guy behind the counter because I'm, I'm very confident that he is willing to get you set up with target equipment. He has access to target equipment. Um, go support your local dealer. I mean, I can't say that enough. I mean, that's, that's what they're there for. They're the professionals. They do this for a living. Um, you know, support those guys. Help yeah. help them build a target community. And that doesn't mean you go out there and buy a sixteen hundred dollar target bow. Maybe you're just gonna shoot bow hunting class. Right. You know, go buy yourself a set of stabilizers, get a new sight, get some target arrows. You know, there's a lot of used equipment out there too. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line is you wanna be a better hunter, shoot your damn bow. Hundred percent. 
Shoot your damn bow. Bad. We thank you for listening. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll see you all next week and catch you on the other side. Yeah.